Yeah, like in the in the Gottman's Eight Dates book, I think we've talked about a little bit before, Dedeker and I did that, that they had a section where they talk about like adventures, going on adventures together, and also a section where they talk about the importance of playing together. And I feel like kind of what this study here is showing both of those things as well, right? Because these examples are like some kind of play, also some kind of discovery and like novel experiences, even if that adventure is trying a new restaurant or building something out of Legos. Oh, Lego night sounds like a great date night. <laughs> yeah, actually. I'm about it. If you're happy with the same old ways of dating, if you enjoy sucking at communication, and you have no desire to improve your romantic life, then our podcast might not be for you. But if you want some out-of-the-box ideas to deepen your current relationships, broaden your sexual horizons, develop a better understanding of yourself, or learn more about non-monogamy, then you've come to the right place. I'm Jace. I'm Emily. And I'm Dedeker. And this is the Multiamory Podcast. On this episode of the Multiamory Podcast, it's date night. Everyone, put on your strappy black dresses and whip out the candlesticks because apparently those are things <laughs> like you that do. you do on dates. We're going to dive into <laughs> the research on the many benefits of regular date nights, as well as tackling some common barriers to date night. And we're going to give you some fun suggestions about how to make your date nights the best, most effective date nights they can be. Heck yeah. So you know how I think that for those of us in the relationships and communication field, there's a lot of like really common reoccurring pieces of advice that, you know, these classic pieces of advice, you know, like it's all about communication. You got to communicate, communicate, communicate. You know, it's like this automatic go to of relationship advice. Um, And I think I've started to notice that encouraging people to go on a regular date night with their partners, uh, I think is also starting to become kind of the low hanging fruit of relationship advice. I, I don't know if you y'all perceive this or not. Fruits, Dedeker. I know I love low hanging fruit. It's just so fruity. <laughs> uh, but yeah. like, there's these major resources like the Gottman Institute, who we're going to talk about a lot. They are pretty public with the fact that they recommend all their couples to have a regular date night. You can see it suggested in a billion different blogs or articles about maintaining a healthy long-term relationship or a long-term marriage or things like that. So so going on a regular date night is not a radically new piece of advice necessarily. However, in my personal experience, it seems to me that a whole lot of people know about that advice, but very few people actually do it. Like my experience, especially when I work with Um, my clients who are couples that often when I ask people, do you have a regular date night? 90% of them are like, no, we don't. I mean, we know we should, we should, we know we should. Yeah. Or we did once, you know, and then people get busy and, and it just kind of falls off the plate. What's your experience of it? Yeah. I was going to ask, like, do you two have a regular date night? I think that you do. And do you with other partners have you in the past? Like, did you like have to implement that in a specific way? Yeah, well, yeah. Jason and I have a regular date night, and we also we maintain that date night even when we're at a distance as well. well. That's and actually yeah, kind of how we got. Alex. That's actually kind of how we got started doing the regular weekly date night was because we were long distance, and it was like, well, we want mm. to have a dedicated time to not schedule other things and have time, particularly because we were in different time zones. 
And then we found that by keeping that date night, even when we're in the same place, that that was really helpful. So ours kind of actually came round about the other way. Like the long distance thing is sort of what taught us the importance of that, which was kind of cool. How, how long are your long distance dates generally? Are they like a couple hours or like the whole day or? To like two to three hours. Okay. It depends on the time of the day. Yeah. And, and what else is going on, but like two to three hours. Yeah. But I have, I, I guess the, the same thing happened with me and Alex is that because we were spending part of the year long distance, that it really does establish the importance of having this regularly scheduled time that's not about processing or adulting or figuring out travel plans or whatever, but that is just about hanging out and having a good time. And that, mm -hmm. yeah, we have translated that now into when we are together in person as well. We have a regular date night, even, even though we're spending most of our nights together. That's great. Yeah. yeah. And then since what then I've you? implemented that with other partners and stuff too. Yeah. I think that generally like the weekends are the times in which I do go on more dates with my partner um, or, you know, we'll go out to dinner, we'll go see a movie or we'll do something. Generally, it's like Friday, Saturday are the big ones. And sometimes we'll do like concerts on Sunday or whatever. It's like we saw Macbeth, an interactive Macbeth. <laughs> it's kind of not great. Oh, I know it, it was actually not that good, but, oh, uh, but it. it was fun. Isn't, you wait, know, isn't it was, technically Sleep No More an interactive Macbeth? That's a way better interactive <laughs> Macbeth, but yes, it is, but a way better one than like the community theater version that I saw. Yeah. God, yeah. Community, community theater version of Sleep No More. That'll happen someday. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I feel like for a long time, like Saturdays, at least my perception is that Saturdays have been the day that you've, you know, you've protected the most for like maintaining like focus time yeah. or daytime or things like that with your partner. And generally like almost I try to like at least do like the whole day just in case just to see, you know, we it doesn't mean that we need to be together 100% of the time during that day, but that we have the option to like wake up late together or something and you know, go on a hike or like, and then go in the evening doing something or like spend time playing video games together or something along those lines. Yeah. Right. So as far as the people who don't do it or times when, because Dedeker and I, there have been periods of time where we haven't kind of kept up a regular date as much. Uh, luckily for us, we tend to get back to it pretty quickly because we're like, hey, like at our radar, we're like, hey, we haven't been doing our dates. Let's be sure we schedule those again. Mm -hmm. um, but like the kind of common resistances to going on dates, and we'll get into this more a little bit later. But have you found those two like things that have made that difficult to do your dates every week or however often you do them? Well, I think for me personally, for a while, I think I had a psychological resistance to doing regular date nights in a uh -huh. long term relationship kind of because you kind of start to assume like, well, like we live together or we spend all our time together. Like we already spend all this time together. Like, why do we need to schedule extra time on top of that? Like maybe that would feel fake or that would feel forced. I know mm. for me, that's been a resistance I've had in the past. Yeah, the forced fake thing is a really good point. It's like it somehow diminishes the spontaneity of it when you have to like schedule it. But I think the opposite is actually true. Like scheduling something really shows like, hey, this is a commitment. This is an important thing to me. And so like I'm going to keep this available to you. We're going to keep this available to each other to show how much we care about each other. Yeah, I found a struggle that I've had yeah. sometimes is um, kind of getting – Getting both people's idea of what a date night is lined up with oh, each other. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, that's yeah. huge. And, and that's not even just lined up in general, but even 
week to week or month to month or whatever, because for some people it's like date night is like time where we're going to sit and watch our show together each week. But like just be with right. each other and not be on our phones or or it's like we're going to cook dinner together and then we're going to watch a show. And maybe that's an awesome date mm-hmm. night. Whereas for other people, that's like, no, that's normal life. A date night should be going out somewhere or a date night should be getting dressed up or, you know, it should be some kind of other thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I find sometimes that's been a struggle of just to like, especially with a newer relationship, to kind of figure out what is our balance like what what do these look like for us what what feels good for us to do yeah I've definitely been resistant to the to it in the past because of you know like money and time you know the the common fallbacks of yeah. feeling like I don't have enough money or or enough you know expendable money to just spend on going out on a date going to the movies or going to dinner or you know I'm exhausted at the end of the day and so I don't feel like getting dressed up and going on a date night that's definitely been you know, some obstacles I've had in the past to setting up any kind of regular date night. Yeah, exhaustion is a big one. I hear you. Um, but let's talk about why it's so important to have a date night. And the reason behind that is because you can lose the connection with your partner if you don't have one. If you don't, like, have this regularly scheduled time to really be with your partner um, where you're not, as you said, adulting or like fixing, you know, problems that you might be having or problem solving, but rather just like embracing and enjoying each other's company. According to the Gottmans, marriage tends to end at one of two times. So five to seven years due to high conflict or after 10 to 12 years due to the loss of intimacy and connection. Whoa. So marriages will certainly end before five to seven years or between seven and 10 years. But the Gottmans argue that these times, the five to seven years or the 10 to 12 years are the really critical or high risk times for marriage. So I'm interested in the reasoning why behind that. Yeah, I guess it does make sense. I mean, I don't know, five years, you are really like in the groove of things, but perhaps like the NRE is very much worn off by that point and you're like living with each other and we've talked about like or or not I mean or you're just like you know around that person a ton and maybe like this is when the really intense um, challenges of the relationship start to come out or the conflicts that happen over and over again it's kind of like a make or break at time for those. I think also that five to seven years, if you've had kids in this marriage, that's Mm. probably the likelihood that you have a small child, at least a small child. even harder. Or or multiple small children, which is, I think, the time, you know, ages zero to six is, from what I've heard anyway, like the the most taxing time on parents for raising a child. And so I'd imagine that if you have that stress combined with maybe just unresolved things in your marriage, that that would be the time that would be the most likely where there would be such high conflict that you would want to want to end the relationship potentially. Yeah. Yeah. So I and think that, yeah. Just in 10 to 12 years. Yeah. That loss of intimacy is interesting where, where like, maybe you, yeah. you start going into the friend phase rather than the intimate um, phase of your relationship, or maybe it even moves past that and you're just kind of, living together roommate phase and maybe that loss of intimacy and connection. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So we've all seen those relationships, right? Where the intimacy and the connection has totally been lost. Often it happens in, in these very long-term relationships where 
People don't talk to each other. They're not touching each other. Maybe they're living largely separate lives. Maybe uh, if fights happen, there's no repair after the fights. Or often what happens once you've gotten to this point is that fights don't even happen because the both of you mm. have just learned to just withdraw right away, essentially. Wow. And like you don't even you don't even you know, have the energy to necessarily dive into the argument. There can be built up resentments, things like that. Like, I think we've all known someone or seen someone in a relate or ourselves have been in a relationship like that. So I think it's, it's a pretty easy thing to call to mind because it, it's, um, it's not an uncommon phenomena in no. my opinion in right. this day and age. And yeah. so regularly generating that connection and investing in your connection via a regular date night, that's just one of the many ways to prevent that from happening, <laughs> to prevent the connection from being lost. Of course, you know, having a regular date night is not going to be the be-all, end-all magic trick that's going to make sure that the intimacy stays alive for 50 years. It's going to be many, many different things, but that is one surefire way to help invest in that connection. Yeah. So we want to get into some research because we love research. So to start <laughs> out here, we do need to give a disclaimer about pretty much all of this research. And that's that the research is done on almost exclusively heterosexual monogamously married couples. So that's just, you oh, know, of course. really, it's, it's our own fault. We don't spend enough as a demographic group for people to want to spend money on researching us. No, I'm, I'm, <laughs> not, I'm joking. Not, not I'm, I'm it's joking. all of our faults. <laughs> sort of. I'm only kind of joking. But, but, <laughs> but anyway, just sort of as a caveat, just understand that and that there are obviously other factors that go into all of this. But I do think there is some really useful stuff from this research because there's some of these studies that have been done not only on tons of people, but also over a lot of time. So this first one we want to talk about here is Professor Steve McKay of the University of Lincoln analyzed data from the Millennium Cohort Study, which was this huge longitudinal survey of the lives of over 18,000 babies born in 2001. Babies. All the way up to 2018 and into the future. And exactly, Emily, wait, huh. wait, babies? What are you talking about? <laughs> Who cares about babies now? So, so this well, is talking to me about baby marriage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, this is clearly a huge study, right? It's eighteen thousand babies over the course of what we're looking at seventeen years, and then continuing years. on, right? It's, and it's still continuing too. Um, but what's interesting is that they weren't just collecting information about the babies, but about the babies' lives, which also involved their mothers and, by extension, their mothers' relationships, particularly if they were cohabiting mm. with their partners. And so they found, uh, like, through that, they could pull from this data, which is what Steve McKay did, can pull from this data to then learn things about those relationships, which is kind of a cool way to use that research again. And what they found is that splitting up the getting separated is reduced by 14% in couples who find time to go on a date together regularly. Now, here's the really interesting part. They found that it was the couples who had a date time just once a month that had the highest odds of staying together, more so than the couples who had a date time every week. And I really, I wonder why this is. Yeah, so they found that, so first of all, couples who had a date night once a month as well as and and couples who had a date night once a week both of those groups 
did better and were less likely to split up than couples who didn't have regular date night at all. At so all. there's okay. that. But they found that specifically it was the once a month category that did the best out of all hmm. of them. Like the chances wow. of splitting up were reduced the most. Um, and so some researchers theorized that, especially since this was a study of parents specifically, that they think that for some couples, especially couples raising kids, that trying to aim for a weekly date night, it would add enough stress to the process, like having to rearrange your schedule, having to figure out childcare, having to figure out the budget, stuff like that, that essentially it would be kind of like a net neutral, like the net gain would be less, less than if you only did it once a month and you only had to figure out all those logistics once a month, essentially, which makes sense. Because you just have like yeah. more scheduling and maybe financial stress then kind of subtracting yes. from the gains you've gotten. So you're still getting gains, but it kind of subtracts it a little. <laughs> so there was also a huge study of date time and, quote, couple time conducted by the couple National <laughs> the National Marriage Project in 2012. So same thing, very heteronormative in their research. But their findings suggest that couples who devote time specifically to one another at least once a week are more likely to have high quality relationships and are less likely to divorce. Uh, and I think it's interesting that they put time so, specifically to one another. So it's not even like date night in that you have to go out, but it's more that we have time dedicated to just being together and focusing on each other, which I think is a cool kind of way to define what I think we often mean when we say date night. It doesn't have to mean going out to a restaurant every week or every month or or whatever it is. Maybe it could be, but doesn't have to be that. For a long time now, we've been fans of adamandeve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection. And now, not only do we have a fantastic offer, but we also have a promo code that will work on adammail.com and evestoys.com, which are their sites specifically for LGBTQ audiences. And our code is fantastic. It's 50% off of almost any item in the store and free discreet shipping when you use our code MULTI. Yes, we love adamandeve.com and have for years. They are our oldest and longest sponsor and they just keep on giving great gifts to us and to our listeners. You can bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your bedroom by going to adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com and select any one item. It can be, you know, an adventurous new toy or anything you desire, something fun, something sexy, whatever sounds good. So just enter offer code MULTI at checkout and you'll get 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. That's multi, M-U-L-T-I, at adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast, and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code multi to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping. Code M-U-L-T-I. Yeah, kind of going along with that, they found that higher amounts of one-on-one couple time, which is not necessarily a date night, but kind of shared activity on and or focused conversation with just the two of you, kind of focusing on each other and your love for one another and your hopes and dreams, things like that. Uh, that fosters higher sexual satisfaction, feelings of commitment, and better communication. So specifically, this found that couples who engage in novel activities that are fun, active, or otherwise arousing, uh, from things like hiking and dancing to travel, 
to even like card games, they enjoy higher levels of relationship quality, which I really love because I know one of my favorite things to do with my partner is travel and have new experiences, even go to a concert like and have a novel experience in that way. It's huge and it's lovely to like get away from the mundane day-to-day things that you do all the time. Yeah, there's tons of research out there that shows that like very little, very little seemingly insignificant novelties can influence how we feel about our partner. Hmm. Kind of related to that, there's a study that shows that if you see pictures of like cute kittens interspliced with pictures of your partner, you're going to feel more affection more love for, your partner. for your partner. Yes. Oh. And it's <laughs> the same thing great. that like if you're doing some kind of new activity together, even if it's something as mundane, I think they were having people like build something out of Lego blocks, but it was like a really challenging experience, but they did it with their partner that even that generated more positive feelings toward their partner versus like a control group that was doing a more mundane task that they'd done a billion times before. So like novelty, newness, fun, adventures, the Gottmans are all about that too. And really and kittens <laughs> As adventures with kittens is really the silver Perfect, bullet here yeah. oh my yeah. gosh i love it <laughs> yeah like in the in the gottman's eight dates book i think we've talked about a little bit before dedeker and i did that that they had a section where they talk about like adventures going on adventures together and also a section where they talk about the importance of playing together and i feel like kind of what this study here is showing both of those things as well right because these examples are like some kind of play also some kind of discovery and like novel experiences, even if that adventure is trying a new restaurant or building something out of Legos. Oh, Lego night sounds like a great date night. <laughs> yeah, actually. About it. I know. You <laughs> have to like procure is... Legos, but if your no, partner already has like, them, then go for it. Yeah, like buying a Lego set. I mean, Lego sets are not necessarily cheap, but nah. but you could probably squeeze a couple date nights out of a big Lego set. That's you true, know? yeah. Like building one of those mansions or something. That'd be pretty good. <laughs> nice. Okay. Going to write that one down for later. So that's what the research has to say. But what else specifically can we all stand to gain from regular date time? And I think first and foremost... Uh, the biggest benefit that I see is just being able to give each other a break and an opportunity to de-stress together. You know, an opportunity to step out of your normal lives together and share that little de-stressed, more relaxing space together, which is great because they do find that external stress is a huge contributor to overall relationship stress and to having a lower sex drive as well. Oh boy, but I mean, this is absolutely true. I know like when I come home from a really long day at work and I... I'm stressed about multi-amory in addition or, you know, whatever, then yeah, it definitely makes me not want to really have sexy times or do much with my partner in general anyways. So, and I think vice versa that happens. So yeah, that's rough. Yeah. I find for myself too, just being like too busy and kind of the stress that, that feeling like every single corner of my schedule is filled up also like adds that level of stress and I'm just like really not it's so hard to get in the mood or to really feel like being intimate or affectionate or anything yeah um also we get so caught up in our own shit yeah also if you're non-monogamous and with your long-term nesting partner for example it gives you to the opportunity to tap into some of that exciting energy by having this date night, giving you the opportunity to do things that are new or going to new places 
that you might be getting with your other new partners because they're novel all the time because they're new, but you're also getting to bring that to your existing relationship as well. You know, it can be hard to watch your partner shower and put themselves together nicely before heading out to see someone new. But then when we have a night together, it's just wearing our yoga pants on the couch, right? So it's like, gives you a chance to show up for each other and kind of have that moment to get to impress each other or flirt with each other or try something new together. I have seen this a little bit in the patron group um, from time to time where people say like, I feel as though my nesting partner has such an amazing time with all of these Mm -hmm. other people and they get really excited And then when they hang out with me, like they want to go to bed immediately or they fall asleep as we're watching a movie on the couch or something. So again, as Jace said, especially for long-term partners or if you happen to live with someone and you do have multiple relationships that you do really carve out time for you and your nesting partner to have really special moments like this. Because otherwise, yeah, I mean, it, it would make sense that the novelty would wear off and the excitement would wear off and the intimacy would potentially go away if you don't really like spend that quality time together in this way. Yeah. Like there's such a stereotype about the people who are in a long-term marriage who just, yeah, you know, there's all these stereotypes about letting yourself go when you get married or just sort of not putting in effort once you've kind of locked them down because now they're stuck in a marriage contract and they don't have a choice, I guess is the implication. (laughs) Uh, But that's just such an ingrained stereotype. And I think that we do do that, you know, whether we're married or not, but I absolutely in relationships before realizing how important this is, would just kind of have a tendency to take it for granted a little because that's what's been modeled Mm -hmm. for me. That's what's been shown to me as normal. It's like, yeah, you just, now you get to relax. Now you don't have to keep trying so hard. So something really uh, that my current partner does a fantastic job at is asking open-ended questions and fostering like open-ended communication and deeper communication. Uh, So you can still keep learning more about your partner by asking things like open-ended questions, even if you've known them for years. We're going to talk about this a little bit more later, but it is so lovely to even just have little questions that, you know, maybe you curate in some way. And then when you're sitting together at a date night and maybe don't know what to talk about, you can pull out these questions and have them on hand and ask your partner something that maybe you never knew about them before. Yeah, I love those opportunities to be surprised by your partner. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So other things that you can stand to gain are things like just having more playfulness and fun and novelty in your life, just an opportunity to break out of routine and experience some newness in general. And then on top of that, like we, we teased a little bit earlier, having a regular date night can kind of help set you up for sexy time. If your relationship is sexual, you know, if that's the way that the two of you connect. I know for me that sometimes maybe if I'm working all the way until the end of the day, that then I'm just like, I'm not ready to have sex then. Or if I'm really tired or exhausted or whatever, that then I'm not ready to have sex. And and your date night doesn't always have to include sex necessarily. And it shouldn't have an expectation of always including sex. But it is nice, especially if you're going to 
shower and put on makeup or shave or put on perfume or whatever, that it kind of helps to incorporate this ritual that for me, I know helps get me into my body, helps remind myself again that I am a sexual being after I've been, you know, in front of a screen all day or whatever, that that can really help to um, facilitate having that sexual connection as well, even in a long-term relationship. Yeah, definitely. And I think it would be great sometime coming up to do um, an episode about kind of, you know, connecting sexually. And I know we've kind of talked about it in the past, but it'd be cool to do one again about that because a lot of the research about it is so fascinating that a lot of the barriers to long-term couples having sex is just like making the time to do it. And then you'll kind of get into mm. the mood by making the time. Whereas kind of people think it just has to hit me, which, you know, maybe it did when you first started dating, uh, you know, so this kind of gives you an opportunity to do that. And there's actually also a lot of research showing that that is how sex works in sexually happy couples, you know, who are, who do have satisfying sex lives with each other. It's not because they're spontaneously constantly hot for each other. It's because they just make but the time, make for, time it, for it and they put themselves in that situation okay with someone they, they know they're going to have a good time with and that then it kind of leads to sexy times rather than it has to hit you and you have to be 100% there right away. So it's actually it's a pretty mm. interesting thing. I'd love to do a whole other episode about that. Maybe we'll do that at some point. Uh, so, okay. So maybe you're hearing all this and you're thinking, sure, okay, maybe intellectually I understand this is good for me. Or like, yeah, this would be good, but... So we wanted to cover some of the most common either misconceptions or objections to to doing a date night. So the first big one here, we've got three big ones. First big one is we're too busy, right? We, we hit on this a little bit earlier, and I've definitely fallen prey to this about a lot of things in my life. Um, and there's this article that the Gottmans put out that basically claims if you're too busy for date night, you're too busy, period. And I do really like that. I really That's, like it, yeah. Yeah. It's like if you're going to be in a relationship with someone and you're too busy, then you're too busy to be in a relationship, in my opinion. <laughs> Yeah, like I because you can't maintain totally. I mean, I, I I like to I like to believe that that accounts for. Of course, we're going to go through periods of intense busyness. Like if we right. suddenly sure. have to take care of someone who's sick or whatever, like we can understand that. But as a general rule, if I yeah, could try... for extenuating circumstances, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But other, but if this is a constant thing, or it just seems you know it goes on for years at a time or something, then well, bleh. I don't know. Yeah, if I could offer maybe maybe a different way of looking at it is if you're too busy for date night, that's when you most need to make time for date night. This may be another oh, yes. more positive, constructive that's, way to, to that's it. That's what I, like I that. tell that's people better. about meditation too, but no one listens. <laughs> yeah. uh, I know. I want to meditate when I'm in Shanghai. Okay, so you meditate now. It. You should meditate now. That's the whole point. No day but today. <laughs> I know, I know. So, so for this one, like, I get it. I've been there. And like Emily said, it can happen sometimes. But if that, oh, well, it's just a busy time is your excuse, uh, I would be cautious of that. Because not having time is like my excuse for not working out. And now I haven't worked out for the past month. Because it was like, well, I was traveling and then I was sick. And then, I, you know, it's just now I'm out of the habit. So with date night, it's just yeah. make it important. Make it a priority. Um, and... 
part of that is actually schedule the time, right? Is put it in your calendars. What works for Dedeker and myself is to put it in at the same time every week. And then every month at our scrum, we can evaluate, do we need to change that time, whatever. And then also each week, if it's like, hey, I need to, you know, change the time for next week. Is that cool? We can do that. And that's fine. But having it there every week helps us not to just forget to do it at all. Right. Because otherwise a month goes by and then it's like, oh, right. We never remember to schedule that date night. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then the other one. And, and I think it is also like, it is also very important just to reiterate that don't wait until it's the leftover time because that can happen too. And the, where mm. it's like we schedule the stuff with the kids and with work and like with my friends and like maybe even with my other partners or whatever. And then whatever time is left over from that, then we'll make that date night. Now be mm. proactive about it. You know, don't just make it the leftover time, you know, make it the choicest time if you can. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like when you're going to so have choice. energy, right? Like when you're going to yes. feel up for it. Yeah. Uh, and then also that it doesn't have to take a ton of time. Right. Like we talked about earlier with Dedeker and myself, especially when we're long distance, it might only be a couple hours. Maybe that's it. Cause it's like her morning before work and my evening after work or, you know, whatever it is because of the time zones that we're in. And that's fine too. Like it still gives you that dedicated time together. Or even if you're together in person and it's not about time zones, maybe that's all we have. We can't afford to take an entire evening off because we've got to take care of the kids. Or we've got to do other things that just having that couple hours is still effective. It's still helpful. Um, and that it doesn't have to be an evening. It could be any time. It could be a morning. It could, you know, it could be a morning on the weekends is when you have your date time, or it could be uh, an afternoon that you both happen to have like half days on that day, or, you know, it can be anything that you make it be. If your partner has like a nine to five, it's really nice to maybe go surprise them and go out to lunch with them, for example. That's pretty awesome because it breaks the day up for them and for you. I also, yeah, it's just said like, I love going on hikes. Um, it's fantastic to get to do that during the week, even if you have time or on the weekends and then maybe make a whole day out of it and go grab food afterwards or something along those lines. Like that's a really lovely thing. Yeah. As, as you said, like daytimes can be just as wonderful as evening time dates. And actually something I heard years ago is that um, a doctor encouraged actually Emily and me to be active together because then it you're producing more pheromones and stuff because you're sweating and being mm. able to smell each other being active like on a hike or something can actually also be a way to help kind of foster that uh, sexual connection and attraction for each other. So, okay, it doesn't have to be expensive. It, a lot of people will make the excuse that like, it's too expensive to go out all the time, which I know that I've definitely done. And sometimes it is, but it doesn't have to be an expensive date. It doesn't have to cost anything for it to matter. So the intention behind creating this standalone time and space is much more important than how much money you spend on the date. Mm. And as we said, you can go for a hike, you can go to a free museum day. If you live in New York, I think it's the third Thursday of every month. They have a free museum day or third Friday or something. I don't know, New Yorkers. I wish I had that. But <laughs> they probably have something like that in L.A. too. But you can create something novel to do at home. I mean, it can be like playing a new video game together. Uh, it can be oh, yeah, even Legos. like... Yeah, the Legos. <laughs> exactly. It can be... Uh, yeah, Josh and I got some succulents recently. We were like... <laughs> 
repotting them and putting them in like nice places. But really, it was. Sorry, yeah. I just I just I, love the image of the two of you just like hanging out with your batch of succulents, and that's your date time. No, I mean, so cute. well, I do love the fact that you kind of got us started on that. Like the reason why the succulents right, happened was because of the Bulbasaurs. Yeah. yeah, a little Bulbasaur yeah. pot that I got you. Exactly. Aww. So I yeah, helped so facilitate I your succulent dates. Exactly. So thank you. Yes, but there are so many options out there. Uh, so for the bonus episode, we're actually going to talk about our favorite cheap or free things to do. Uh, and another easy hack is just make dinner at home. Go out and maybe buy one cocktail at a bar uh, and then nurse that all evening or, you know, get a, I don't know, a bottle of wine or a can of wine or something. They have those Underwood cans of wines at Trader Joe's and they're really cheap, but it's like a, a glass and a half of wine. So you can get one of those, nurse it all evening, and then, uh, yeah, have your dinner at home and it'll be a lovely evening. Yeah, I like that because then like you save the bulk of the money by cooking for yourselves, but then mm-hmm. you can still have the specialness of like getting dressed up and going out without needing to spend a ton of money, you know, just buying like a coffee or a tea or even a beer or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the last big one that we want to cover here is who's going to wash the kids, which is a huge one. You know, childcare is definitely expensive. And not only is it expensive, it's not always easy to access. You know, I've had some clients talk to me about, um, especially if they're, you know, talking to people on Tinder or something or trying to coordinate, you know, meeting up with someone for a date that it's not super easy. If someone's like, oh, how about we meet like tomorrow afternoon? That then it's a scramble of like, oh, well, who's going to watch the kid? You know, right. it's not quite so easy just to be like, sure, tomorrow afternoon. Great. Um So the good news is that even if you can only pull off date time away from the kids just once a month, again, according to the research, even if you can pull it off once a month, you're still going to reap the benefits. So again, if pulling off some kind of once a week childcare is just too difficult or too expensive, you can do just once a month. you can arrange childcare exchanges with other couples. A lot of people do this. Other couples with kids. I have so never they, heard of this. And have this you is not? Genius. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, I guess it makes sense. Yeah. But but that you specifically clearly you don't have kids. No, I really don't. I really just don't. But like, yeah, just the idea that you would have your kids come over, maybe with you know someone else's kids come over and play with your kids and like take care of all of them for an evening and then you get to swap on a different evening with a couple like wow that is genius right and yeah free. so you can both get date time yeah yeah, yeah. and if you're you trying can also to reach do out it, to family members friends yeah if you're trying to do it once a month that's not an unreasonable thing to ask too i think you know to ask whoever it is yeah the relative or the friend or the other couple to be like yeah let's Let's swap. You guys want to do a date night or just like sleep for a night once a month and then you take care of the kids so we can do that. Yeah, definitely. And then something that the Gottmans also, a point that they made that I really appreciated is just to remember that you are also demonstrating to your kids what it takes to foster a healthy relationship long term. I know it's really easy. I know my my friends, you know, friends of mine who are parents, it's really easy to fall into a, a feeling of guilt you know, of like, oh, you know, we should be here with our kids. We shouldn't be taking this time away. Like, is it going to be traumatizing for our kids? And I, I mean, sure, I guess you could do it in a very traumatic way. But my understanding is you don't have to do it in a very traumatic <laughs> way. And just know that, like, this is also teaching a really important lesson to your kids about maintaining a healthy long-term relationship. The fact that the two of you, 
that this is important to you. Your relationship is important to you to the point of being willing to invest this time and energy on doing this regularly. And so that's something that your kids watch. I love that. I love that so much. Internalize as well. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's huge. Yeah. And something that maybe not all of us got as we were growing up with our parents or yeah. I mean, I, saw my mom dating various people over the years but yeah just the the idea that you really like take time away for yourselves and it kind of also shows the kids maybe that like they're not necessarily the center of every single (laughs) moment of your world that rather like your parents are autonomous people and they can do their own thing too which is great yeah, I never got any of that. I mean, my my mom was single for a fair amount of my childhood, but then she did remarry and I'm looking back on it and like I can't I can't recall any time that the two of them took away from took away from us like for for their time that wasn't like you know, time going to church events or like some kind mm. of business related event. Like it was all very like functional stuff. I don't remember any like date nights probably because of all the same obstacles you know they're like too busy not enough money like have to watch the kids stuff like that but but yeah, yeah. I, I know I definitely didn't get that lesson what about you Jace yeah I'm thinking I can think of maybe a couple times that I remember you know us having a babysitter or something and the reason for it was so that they could go out I do remember a handful of that when I was younger and then I think that kind of fell off later as I got older um, so I, I remember that happening sometimes, but I don't feel like it was very regular or at least not ongoing. Maybe it was regular for a couple months or something. It's all, the timeline's all blurry cause I was a kid. Uh, but I do remember a little bit of that, but I definitely, like we talked about, this is something that we had to figure out, right? Either through reading this research or just doing it cause of long distance. And it's like, oh, Hey, this works. And it would have been cool if it's like, oh, this is a normal part of having a relationship that you, maybe that you do take this for granted. That would be a cool thing to just take for granted. Like, yeah, that's what you do. And to get raised that way, that, that, would, that would be cool. Well, we all have friends now or family members who have children. And do you see those people in your life implementing this? And do you think that you can tell at all, maybe for those whose kids are a little bit older, like has that benefited them? And Mm. has it benefited the relationship in various ways? Interesting. Yeah, well, I think the closest example that I can observe is my sister, who who does have kids. And again, I'm, you know, it's not like I'm not all up in their relationship. So I don't know the details of exactly how they manage that. But I do for a long time have memories of them being very vocal about having date nights in general, I'm, they don't, I don't think they do weekly date nights. It's probably closer to like maybe every couple of weeks or once a month or something like that. But, um, they were probably one of the first in-person examples of couples that I ever met that, that were very vocal about like, yeah, we're going on a date night, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's why we're arranging childcare or getting, you know, grandma to come over and watch the kids is because we want to have date night and it's, you know, and, and not just like we have a specific concert we want to go to or a specific event we want to go to. It's just straight up we just want to have date night. Um, yeah. So, and I don't know. I mean, my niece and nephew seem like they're doing fine from as far as I can tell. I have to, I have to wait till they're, till they're adults and, and get into therapy before we figure out like yeah. what effect that had really, but they seem yeah. like they're pretty well adjusted. That's good. Yeah. I've got you know? some friends who 
they they seem to make time for I don't know how regularly they do it, but they seem to make time for date night together, you know, having grandma or a babysitter or au pair or something. I don't know the specifics, but having someone else watch the baby so they can go out. But they also do something that's interesting, which is uh, and they're they're a monogamous couple, um, but is giving each other one night a week. That's like, this is your night to go hang out with your friends and I'm going to take care of the kid on my own tonight mm. so that so that we don't oh, end wow. up so isolated. So it's like, you know, for, for him. Great. Yeah. That's so for smart. my friend, it's like, hey, Monday nights, you know, he told me he's like, oh, you're in town Monday nights. So, you know, is like my night to hang out with friends. So like we hung out last week and played video games. And then like this coming Monday, he's meeting up with another friend of ours for dinner. And so we're all going to meet up for that. But it's like having that time for each other is a cool, is a cool thing too, but that's kind of, kind of extra, but I, I feel like they're doing a good job of trying to find ways to, you know, both be like, they're very active in raising their child together. Um, but building in time for both themselves and then also for each other. Yeah. I love that because so many people do get so isolated when they have a kid and it becomes yeah. very lonely and it's like, it's the three of us or, you know, the four of us or whatever, and that's it. And that's all that you ever get to see. Yeah. My, um, one, my, one of my best friends from Arizona, she had a kid almost a year ago and she just with her husband went on like their own trip alone for the very first time in like 10 months. Right. So that's, yeah, that's tough. And they both have very grueling doctor jobs, but, mm -hmm. but still, yeah, I know that she said that it was rough that they haven't really gotten to go out very much since having the kid. Yeah. So well, good for them for finally being able to make that happen. Yeah. I I'm think glad it's, that they were. Yeah. That, that isolation, that's something that, I mean, and we've, we've ranted about, the nuclear family and its flaws many times before on this podcast, but that sense of isolation and like really not being able to either escape each other or escape your kids or whatever. Mm -hmm. I think that that leads to, you know, when I see families, usually it's like families of like a couple and the two kids and the two kids are usually a little bit older, like maybe like tweens and teens and everyone is no one is having a good time basically <laughs> like like i feel like i see that so often that that these families where it just seems so clear that like uh, we've all spent way too much time together and we're all sick mm -hmm. of each other mm -hmm. essentially and we all just press each other's <sighs> buttons and maybe that's intense. impossible to avoid but i do think that to a certain extent if you end up super isolated that's a, another you know byproduct of that yeah. But anyway, let's wrap things up by talking about what are kind of the important aspects or the important things to have, uh, you know, for a regular date night. Like when you're actually sitting down to take this time and have this date, what should be the important pieces of that? So I think it's important to make sure that we do no adulting on the date as much as possible. So the date time is not spent talking about the kids' schedule or about Problem what we solving. need to fix. Yeah, problem solving. Ideally, um, you know, not talking about what we need to figure out around the house or things like that, you know, because that can just really drain your soul. And that's probably conversations you're having all the rest of the time anyway. Um, no processing. 
Ideally, and by processing, I mean things like, like, this is not the time to work out what happened in the fight like two weeks ago, or this is not the time to work out. I mean, this happens with my clients all the time. Like your date night is not the time to work out. How do we do (laughs) non-monogamy? You know? Oh boy. (laughs) Unless that's a super fun conversation for you, but that, but that's not the time. You know, that's definitely not the time for it. Ideally, you have a different processing time. You have a radar, you have a check-in conversation or something like that in place so that that can be your processing time and date time can be just positive feeling time. Yeah, I was going to mention that because I was thinking for, for our listeners who've been following along, you're going, oh, that regular time, that's our radar. And it's like, no, that's a, that no. is a different thing. <laughs> no, no, no. That is a different thing. No, um, no, no. <laughs> Uh-uh. Yeah. And I just wanted to share kind of personally about this one, because I think this is challenging to not spend all this time figuring out logistics or adulting, as Dedeker called it, you know, or processing. And I think particularly if you are in the process of opening up a formerly closed relationship. Yeah. 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 For a while, maybe all your conversations are going to be kind of taken up with processing and figuring that out. And that's understandable. Like that, that is a normal thing. Like it takes a little extra for a while. Um, but I did want to say that I know something that Dedeker and I have to be very mindful about is that on our date nights, talking about work, talking about multi-amory stuff, or talking about oh, scheduling God, things, freaking time. or like our last two date nights <laughs> have involved booking flights to see yes. each other or to see family for the holidays or to see Emily for the holidays <laughs> or whatever it is. And, you know, and sometimes that happens. Like sometimes we will come to a date night together and one of us will be like, okay, can we talk about work for like five minutes? Cause I just need to like get, get this out of my head and you get this done or like, let's book these flights. But then we try to at least, and ideally we don't do this all the time. But we try to at least be mindful of, okay, that's done now, right? Done? Yes, done. Like, let's close all those windows on the computer. Let's put away our phones, whatever it is. And like, okay, now we're not doing that. So we do try to at least make that effort to do it. So I just want to throw that out there as like, if you have to do a little bit of adulting or a little processing, that's okay. Or maybe if a lot's going on, you can. But just really try to be mindful and make some time for not that too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you can focus your conversation away from the adulting, away from the work, away from the processing and toward asking some open-ended questions of your partner. And it could be just as simple as, you know, the last movie the two of you saw together, asking their opinions on it and asking them to share their thoughts. Um, The Gottmans have an app actually that you can find pretty easily that just has a bunch of different open-ended questions that you can ask your partner yeah, it's about called all Gottman, kinds of different things. Gottman Card Decks is the name of the mm. app if you're looking for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's also, you know, the famous 36 intimacy questions that the New York Times profiled. You can just Google that and those are also great questions. I find those are great questions even if you've been with someone for a long time oh, to yeah. still ask, you know, mm-hmm. um, and just continue to get to know your partner because even after 10 years, 20 years, there's still more to know because this person has also been changing the entire time as well. Mm-hmm. So also try to find a novel location or try to even like carve out a novel space at home, maybe not space, but novel time, uh, a new ritual, a new something. Try to make things spontaneous and exciting and fun and new just because then you'll 
add a little bit of spice and fun and newness into your relationship as well. Yeah, like make also, it different, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Also take turns planning these things together or separately. I uh, Just because I know for myself, sometimes I get in a routine of maybe being resentful at times because I'm like, oh, I'm always planning the dates. I'm always planning the things to do or something along those lines. And so make it a point to voice that and to be like, hey, let's uh, take turns doing this because it's important for each of you to show like I have some ideas here and I want to put my time and effort into planning date nights. So yeah, avoid just one person always being the one to plan things. Also minimize phone time. So Dedeker, you have a rule around this. I think this is very important in this day and age. (laughs) It's a rule I only apply to myself. So maybe it's a boundary. I don't know. Not a rule, but yes. (laughs) Maybe even a neurosis, perhaps, if we really want to go there. It's, it's, I have this thing where if I'm, okay, if I'm sitting at a table with a partner and we're having dinner and it's date time or whatever, if my partner, okay, if I pull out my phone to check something, like maybe we're like, oh, where's the next place we're going? I'm like, oh, I, I don't know. Let me pull up the address. And then if my partner pulls out their phone too, I just have a thing about there their only being one phone out at once. And so because this is like a thing I apply to myself, it's not like I turn to my partner and I'm like, put your phone away. It's like, I'm always the one to put my phone away. And I, I don't, okay, there's the reason why I call it a neurosis is because I have this thing of like, I just cannot stand to have someone look over at my table and see and two see people just on their phones. I yeah. see. I, like, <laughs> so it's the, it's the optics of it. <laughs> right. Yes, it's, because I hate looking at that, honestly. I hate seeing that out and about. I hate seeing it like when everyone at a table is on their phones. I hate that. I My opinion is like you've got plenty of time in your life to be on your phone. Uh, like now is not the time. Mm-hmm. So... That's why I'm kind of like, there's only ever going to be one phone at a time at any table that I'm sitting at. And if it's not me, you know, then then it's not me. Right. And that's fine. Um, I've also found that when I do that, that if my partner pulls out their phone to check something, if I automatically go to my phone, chances are we're both going to stay on our phones a lot longer than we normally would because then we both check notifications or go look up this thing or whatever. But if I don't pull out my phone, the other person is aware that I'm not there on my phone, right? The other person is aware that I'm just sitting there (laughs) waiting patiently and the onus is on them to wrap things up much sooner. At least that's how I (laughs) feel. If I'm (laughs) the only one on the phone and no one else is, I feel more pressure on myself to be like, okay, I'll look up the thing I need to look up and then I'll put it away right away. So that's my little thing. It seems to work for me anyway to help with minimizing phone time i mean having the intention ahead of time that we're gonna you know try to minimize phone time is great but i follow the kind of only one phone out at once rule for myself and it seems to work out yeah yeah so finally the ideal frequency for all this is once a month you can move up from that but just start it once a month like make once a month a time in your schedule with your partner or with your multiple partners to have a date night. And that should be easy enough, we're hoping. And maybe move up from there if you want to. But even just at once a month, it's going to, you know, give you a ton of benefits in your relationship. So just start with that. And you'll see what happens. Yeah. Like as an example of that, so Dedeker and I, we do our date night once a week. But we specifically will try to do when we're together, at least, 
we'll try to do once a month where we'll do kind of a, an outside date is what we call it, where it's like, that's the date where we're going to go do something, right? Whether it's going out to a dinner at a place or going to an event or going to a show or something. Whereas the other dates can be a little more low key. Maybe it's playing video games together. Maybe it's, you, you know, watching something together or just taking a walk together. Like they can be low key, but we'll try to do just one a month. That's a little bigger. So that's also an option too. Of kinda... It helps with budgeting also. Exactly. It's much easier to budget for like one fancy date a month as opposed to every single week. Yeah. And yeah. also for planning. If it's like, gosh, there's a lot of work to try to figure out what to do every week. But it's like, no, just once a month. And we can talk about it during our radar. Like, what do we want to do this next month for our date? We can kind of collaborate on that. Or like, hey, you do it this month or you do it this month. So, you know, there's lots of different ways it can look. But I love that idea that like, bar to entry is just once a month like that's not that's not that bad you know yeah so for our bonus episode for this we're going to talk about our suggestions and you know some of our favorite things to do for cheap or free dates so if you're either looking for ideas or looking for ways to not spend as much money on your dates uh come check that out and that's the bonus episode for our patrons yeah. And we would also love to hear from all of you. Do you have a regular date night? How has that gone for you? Um, do you want <clears throat> to implement a regular date night, but you have something that's stopping you that we haven't talked about in this episode before? We want to hear your thoughts. And the best place to share that is with other listeners and with us is on this episode's discussion thread in our private Facebook group or Discord chat. And you can get access to those groups and you can join our exclusive community by going to patreon.com slash multiamory. In addition, you can share with us publicly on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can email us at info at multiamory.com. You can leave us a voicemail at 678-M-U-L-T-I-05. Or you can leave us a voice message on Facebook. Multiamory is created and produced by Emily Matlack, Jace Lindgren, and me, Dedeker Winston. Our episodes are edited by Mauricio Balvanera. Our social media wizard is Will McMillan. Our production assistants are Rachel Shenowark and Carson Collins. Our theme song is Forms I Know I Did by Josh and Anand from the Fractal Cave EP. The full transcript is available on this episode's page on multiamory.com.